Today is Friday, November 3rd, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today we go over Romans 13, 1 through 7, talking about uh, whether or not we should obey evil and corrupt governments. Uh, how far does that passage extend? What is it really talking about? What does it mean? Um, <laughs> see where we're going? Then we get into Israel and Gaza because this is not going away anytime soon. So, more people want to participate. Some we've talked to before, some we have not. We talk about that for a little while, get even more uh, perspective and different takes that we have not previously discussed. Then we talk about Calvinism versus the world. I am not a Calvinist, but I, I get it. Like, it's not the war, it's not the hill I want to die on. Um, everyone agrees on the conclusion. Everyone disagrees on how to get to that conclusion. That's the problem. So... Let's just all be happy for those who are in Christ, whether someone thinks they chose to follow Christ or whether God totally made them follow him. Forget all that. Be happy. We're all in the family of God. So that's my advice, but let's see what actually happens. Anyway, uh, enjoy this Friday. Check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Check out the Ask a Christian store. The links are in the description. Support this podcast. Grab a coffee cup or t-shirt. And share these links. We will see you later. Have an awesome weekend. I know I am. Woohoo! Okay, Kevin G, here it is. I was reading Romans 13. It's only seven verses. I've read them once. I guess I got to read them again. All right. So, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to, do, to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear to the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For if he is God's servant, uh, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of co uh, conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities, uh, are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, respect to whom respect is owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. So, my question is, some people will use this and have used it as a blanket to just do whatever your govern, you know, your government says, even if it's evil as heck. And they're like, nope, the Bible says, the Bible says, don't resist. But just in a plain reading of this, you see the inferences, like where it says, um, let's see, in verse 3, rumors are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. So if you have a rumor who is bad and is a terror to good conduct, like kind of calling evil good and good evil, that type of thing, well, then does that discredit them? And that's not the type of government um, being talked about here, because the way the government is being talked about here is it wants justice, it wants good, it wants uh, you know to stop evil and stop bad. But if the government is wrongdoers and is evil and is bad, that's not the kind of government talked about here. So this, this can't be all governments across the world. Um, it's only the governments who are trying to you know, do good, resist bad. Um, right. Like that, for example, because right now in 2023 America, we have plenty of things that we would call good that the government <laughs> has spun on its head. Um, you know, like, pro-choice for the murder of babies and I, I don't know just for right. example so it was in context of that like what uh what do we think the the real way to interpret this is uh i think just as you said and i think there's plenty of evidence when we look at the old testament um for example 
Notice here it's talking about submitting to government authorities uh, that are established by him and working through him, I think only for righteous works. Because if you look at the uh, the dynamic of Israel, not only Israel, but the other surrounding nations, um, it was, they, they were essentially governments that were acting wickedly. And God judged them um, to the utmost. For example, uh, Israel is a theocracy that was, well, it, it became a monarchy because it had a king over it. But it's really a theocracy to follow the law. And if you and if you observe that, them not following the law and them not keeping the commandments, actually uh, he, God rendered destruction for that nation. And in fact, we see it split in two when it was under Solomon because of the sin that he has done between himself and uh, Jeroboam and individually the battle that ensued between Jeroboam and Rabboam. Um, so we do see destruction coming towards governments that don't follow the will of God. Uh, you can see this all throughout Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, etc., etc. You see that a nation that is wicked is severely judged by God based upon their wickedness and the things they do. So uh, this does not, uh, Romans 13 does not make a blanket statement um, to say that you need to serve a government regardless of its uh, moral stance. Uh, in other words, what it's saying is that a government that is established in righteousness and does righteously, obviously, you're supposed to follow everything that government does and not uh, practice uh, anarchy uh, to go against the government, to go against the establishment for whatever wicked reason that you want to go against it. But there's nothing here that says anything about having to submit to a government that is evil. And then uh, I think Peter said it perfectly. He says some things that Peter writes is actually hard to understand if one does not understand what's in the law. And if you have not, if you missed the prerequisite of reading the Old Testament to see what happens to a wicked government, and if one should follow a wicked government, then uh, we got some problems here. Um, for example, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I have several in my head. Um, um, I'm trying to think of a good example here. Um, I mean, we, we see it throughout all the scripture. Let, let me grab a couple of examples and read them off. Because um, like I said, I, I might be distracted with some work stuff. Um, but I want to pull some examples so we can kind of look at it. Because we see people actually betray, uh, like the woman who actually portrayed her, uh, her, uh, her, her town, right? When she accepted the, the Israelite spies in and she spied out the yeah, woman and told yeah. them what was going on. You know, was she against her government? Uh, yeah. Was she against her town? Yeah. But was she, she did it in light of the respect of the God of Israel understanding who the God of Israel is. We see several like this, uh, Ankiar the, the Agagite, um, or Ankiar the Ammonite, right? Uh, so he was actually one that was of his nation. In fact, he was part of the Confederacy of, of Babylon. This is out of the apocryphal text, but we can read there in Judith chapter five and six that Ankiar had actually assisted uh, in information and intelligence for Holofernes, the general of uh, Babylon. But then later on in uh, Judith 14, we see that he was actually cast off by saying, we should fear these people because of their God. And so Holofernes says, OK, we're going to send you down with the Israelites and we're going to kill you along with them. So when they did this, the Israelites took him in. They comforted him in righteousness. And then Judith and the rest of the Israelites actually killed Holofernes, actually took his head off. And because they'd done that, uh, Holofernes actually uh, amalgamated to Israel. He circumcised himself and he, and he joined himself to the house of Israel and his children from that day forward. So uh, there is a, a judgment that we're supposed to use as far as uh, how a nation acts, if it's being righteous or if it's being evil. Uh, but that's where, at, uh, that's where I lie on that.
yeah, I, th- I think most people will. Uh, I think most people who are not agenda driven will will probably have a similar thought. Well, that was quick and easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Yvette, hey, Lou. Welcome, everyone. That's all I got. Anyone else got any topics? <laughs> I'm sure we can find something to fight about. I just watched the Calvinism discussion in, in the Discord server, and, man, it is never ending. <clears throat> like, it, it will never end. <laughs> yeah, so Sam started a bit of a fire there, and it looks like this is what they talk. Like, they've been talking about this every day now since, uh, since before the Gaza-Israel conflict. <laughs> and this thing has been going on for a long time. So um, I'm really trying to figure out what's going on here. Uh, but then you see there's a lot of, uh, um, how should I say, ecumenical rooms where they got like other types of Christians in there and everything else like that. And they're trying to get back on the topic of oneness and Trinitarian. So what I'm curious, I'm curious if uh, they will leave that alone and get back on this topic, seeing that there's no one that's really coming in the room to discuss Calvinism. Uh, so I don't know, man. I think it's just, uh, you know, I don't know. So what's been on your mind? Uh, yeah, you haven't. Uh, I don't think you've talked in the last few times, but I, I've seen you down there at least, right? Yeah. So I've been down in the audience. Uh, I've been working while I'm listening and everything like that because uh, work just picked up. But today, you know, Friday is a lot more easier. Um, what's been on my mind? I've been looking at this conflict with Israel and Gaza heavily, and um, things that I used to support at the beginning of this thing, I'm now starting to kind of question a lot of things. Um, not in a conspiracy sense, but just in a sense of just moral judgment. Like, what the heck is really going on here? Um, why why are this many children, you know, being killed? And, you know, what what, what is the goal here? What, what are we trying to accomplish? Or what is trying to be done here? Because it seems like we're allowing a lot of things that should not be allowed. Uh, there's 147 people that were killed in the, in the West Bank alone. And because of the 147 uh, people that were killed in the West Bank, 40 of them were children. And with the, the situation in the West Bank has confused me as well, because there's no there's no element of Hamas there. Um, but while at the same time uh, you have citizens, that's right, Israeli citizens in the West Bank taking it upon themselves to grab their own weapons and actually attack Palestinians. And they're actually killing them and they're not getting arrested for it. So it's like all out like legal murder. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And they even gathered. So the Palestinians that are in Israel, they're actually working. Uh, it's about 3000 of them. They were actually working in Israel, whether as, you know, uh, anything from a lawyer to doctor all the way down to, you know, someone from the municipality, like, you know, construction worker or police or whatever. They're taking these guys and, and deporting them, in a sense, back to Gaza. That is wild. So, so, so they're gathering anybody that's a Palestinian in Israel, putting them back in Gaza. Their uh, citizens are killing Palestinians in the West Bank with no element of Hamas. And so far, you have about 9,000 plus that died in Gaza already and 3,600 of them, 3,240 of them being children alone. And so North Gaza is like abandoned. Gaza City is surrounded. The fighting is continuing. And, like, they're just now getting some type of aid. But my thing is just, like, it's just an overall poor example of uh, the West's moral standard here. Like, I don't 
I understand retaliation for what happened on the seventh, and I understand that Israel has to defend themselves. But man, this is getting to a point where it's just like I don't really know what's being looked at now. And now there's this there's this uh, there's this discussion that exists on on uh, spaces like Clubhouse and other places like that, where you will see the arguments are well, if you don't support Israel, there's something mentally wrong with you. You support evil. Uh, but so so it's very hard for someone to take the neutral stance, right, to say, uh, you know, hey, there's something wrong here. This should not be going on. These children should not be dying. Um, you know, I even heard some Christians to say, hey, blow it all the heck, you know, and that's their opinion. But the thing about it is, is that I, I think a lot of us are losing uh, our sense of uh, how real this is, what's going on. We're, we're losing that. Um it's almost like we're we're at the Roman Coliseum and we're just watching a fight and people being killed and stuff like that. And, and you know, I, I'm just very worried about that. Um, and as a Christian, it, it feels weird talking about it, but uh, slowly but surely I've been finding myself uh, now. I haven't jumped off the bandwagon of supporting Israel. I support Israel, but we have to judge where wickedness is in all ways. We, we just have to do it. Like, there's some things that are just unjustified. It's uncalled for. Like, and a lot of people are afraid to say it. Well, I know Mir uh, seems like he has plenty he would like to say to you, and I'm happy to let him. Um, but I guess a couple of my thoughts. One, I, I'm not very familiar at all with what you're talking about on um, in the West Bank. I, I'm not, uh, I haven't been paying attention to that. I have a feeling probably it's not legalized murder. Um, so we'll, we'll see about that. Maybe I'll look into it. Maybe Mir has something to say, but, um, so the West bank thing, I, I just have no knowledge. I haven't even heard that. Um, and as for the other stuff, it, it becomes like a war game scenario, right? So it, it's not as crazy. I think as it sounds, if, if some people advocate for just, uh, you know, completely leveling everything, um, from a numbers and uh, like a logical intellectual point of view. Because the alternative is what we've got for, you know, like 70 something years. So instead of just like doing cat and mouse and like, you know, sending in Israeli soldiers, having a lot of them die because you're specifically trying to catch only the bad guys. And then you turn a corner and there's an innocent looking mom who, oh, surprise, she's not innocent. She has a bomb and she kills you. Um, so on one hand, you can argue that, you know, even if actual innocent people do die and that's tragic and that's unfortunate, the blood is on the hands of Hamas, who started it, at least in this most recent incursion. You know, it's whoever the primary aggressor is. That's who all the death belongs to. Um, the people who are defending themselves, the blood is not on their hands. Uh, anyway, so like for 70 years, you know, you see back and forth how much pain uh, one side has taken over the other to at the cost of their own lives um, to not get innocence and target them. Um but presumably, or, or, you know, but if you if you wargame that out, and I don't know the numbers, but over 70 years of a few innocents dying here, a few innocents dying there, while people are taking great pains to prevent innocent death, it's still war and people are going to die. So over 70 years, how many couple innocents here, couple innocents there have added up <clears throat> where at the beginning of this 70 years ago, if they just would have slaughtered everyone who could possibly oppose them on any level, and that means a greater number of innocents would have died that would still arguably be less than, uh, you know, if they cat and moused it, um, also giving their own blood now. So it sounds heartless and it sounds emotionless, but that's what's called for. Like calculated precision 
to make the greatest choices, even though you think, you know, a large number of people dying at once is worse. Um, and it's like, oh, well, you know, only a couple people died here and there. Well, how evil is that? That's still bad. They still count. They're still lives. So there's no easy choices. The easiest choice is don't start none. There won't be none. I think, uh, was it Jay-Z that told us that? Uh, anyways, but um, whoever starts it, they incur, you know, they incur the blood on their hands of whatever happens. So to Israel's credit, they have, uh, you know, they have done that over and over and over. And I think this time, while any loss of life is unfortunate, especially non-combatants who don't want anything to do with it, I mean, what other choice is there? Should they just all lay down and let themselves be murdered? Of course not, because that's also innocent life dying. Um, so I, I, I want to reserve judgment and just say, you know, stop the death. But if both sides aren't willing to stop it, well, one side is not just going to lay down there and die. But I, I want to hear what Muir has to say, because it sounds like he had more of an educated approach when you started talking about the West Bank. But I wanted to say this real quick before Mir begins is that uh, I, I'm kind of along the same lines as you, but just going about it in a roundabout way. Like uh, the, the, the the last thought that I always have is why did they decide to launch that attack on the seven? Like this would not be happening right now if they didn't do that. But oh, yeah. Oh, what, what, sorry. I forgot. I forget about that. Mir. Sorry. <laughs> We're going right to you after this. But yes, yeah, as, as far as the, like who's who and behind the scenes and what really happened, you know, we were just talking about death numbers. Uh, but yeah, governments are slimy, man. Even the best examples of governments, they're all slimy. Like the, the actual citizens uh, are, are never going to know the depths of like greed, betrayal, intrigue, corruption of, uh, you know, show me a government that's perfect and I'll call you a liar, that type thing. So who knows? Like it goes anywhere from, um, you know, it's hard to believe like 10 miles away was like, you know, an <clears throat> Air Force base with like, you know, giant attack helicopters that could destroy anything, the most secure border in the world. So it's like, you know, was there, was it really like, you know, hackers that somehow broke this down? Um, you know, was it someone trying to inside the government trying to betray Netanyahu? Was it uh, Netanyahu doing like a backdoor deal uh, with, with his enemies to gain favor and gain pa power? Like uh, there's no shortage of like conspiracy theories or, you know, what we're actually going to find out is probably true in the coming months. Um, so who knows? I mean, it's, it's like our own government, right? It's like 9-11. When they said it was their 9-11, I'm like, <laughs> probably in more ways than one. Right. Because you think 9-11, you think bad stuff happened. But then you find out, oh, well, it seems like there's a bunch of shady stuff going on behind the scenes. But we'll just leave that there. Mir, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. OK, you said a lot there. Because, um, what exactly happens on the day is going to be a long time. Uh, can you start about the out? can you start about the West Bank thing and the innocent people yeah. like just murdering indiscriminately? Yeah, let's, yeah, that's all not true. What's happening in the West Bank is, first of all, there are plenty of Hamas cells throughout the West Bank. So it's, it's a rivalry between Fatah and Hamas, and that's been going on since 2006. There are plenty of cells throughout the West Bank of Hamas cells and Hamas targets, and they are attacking Israeli soldiers. Mostly not. It's actually quieter than expected. When this happened, the thought process was that it would be a third front, like a full-out war in the West Bank. So that's good. But there, are, there have been like 20-hour gun battles in Janine. Like it, to think the West Bank is not a part of it because they're run by the PA and not Hamas, is, is not the reality on the ground. Um, and when in retaliations, when you shoot from like inside a house, there are casualties of war. And again, that's from the guy shooting from a populated area. If you don't want to get other people hurt, then you go away from the civilian areas, which is Hamas's plan, which is a war crime, to shoot from civilian areas so civilians should die, so they should distract us from what's really happening and we can have this conversation. 
So yeah, West Bank is not Hamas free. That's just completely untrue. You can look that up. They don't even they don't even claim it. They actually claim that they have a strong all that the West Bank is all theirs. Um, other right. so, other mis what? Right. So uh, what you just said was that uh, it's, it's a so protesters. So there was a there was a news program on last night. So it's not anything that's untrue. Saying look it up, you can find it. It's not true. Uh, you have to provide proof for that. Because what I did was last night. I carefully watched an hour-long program with three individuals, specifically, I'm going to pull up the name right now. There's a civil rights, um, um, I'm going to pull up his name, because I actually, I took his name down. Toby Cadman, he's an international war crimes lawyer, right? So he was on a program last night on Al Jazeera, and they, all three of them were talking about what was going on. What, what, the, uh, what the IDF was doing was there was actually protesters in the West Bank. And what they were doing was they were trying to break up the crowds with live ammunition. That is, so none of this goes on around the world, right? Like imagine America, if people is even marching, let's say, for example, just using this example, Black Lives Matter or something like that, tear gas or maybe rubber bullets at the most, right? Some type of like a a deterrent that will get the people off the street and arrest will occur if if they're breaking up property, anything like that. Right. How do you break up a crowd? Israel right. never breaks up a peaceful, even a non-peaceful protest with live bullets. They use rubber, uh, that, they use that, bullets. That's what happened. Guns. That's what happened. That's, yeah, that's Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera is a Qatari um, um, paper. They print in misinformation all the time. I can go through it headline by headline with you. They get these people like like Toby to come on and claim that it was a protest. Um, it, it, there are protests that turn violent all the time. If if it's a protest and you start attacking a police station, it's going to turn into live bullets. It was not a protest of people chanting from the river to the sea, and it turned into live bullets. That's a lie. We can go through every time they say that it gets investigated. The, the IDF will investigate their own action and and their own every every literally every bullet that shot an investigation goes through. Maybe not during live war like this, but like by a protest, investigation goes through. That soldier will be court-martialed as a problem. It's all done with a lot of oversight and open information. Bro, okay. so, uh, real quick, real, uh, <laughs> real, real, hey, wait, real quick, Kevin, I, I just wanted to, because Lou's not speaking, uh, he, he makes a good point. Um, you know, the, the t- I mean, I was going to, well, anyways, uh, Lou talks about the Qatari government has already, you know, been criticized for its own human rights abuse records. Um, but I mean, this is where, like, the leadership of Hamas is hanging out, right? So, you know, I don't want to say... Everything you read, I mean, if it gets the time right, I mean, you know, they can probably do that. But I mean, you know, there there is incredible bias from just probably everything you're going to read on, on a national or international level. Um, so, I mean, I would just make that point. Like, you know, this this is the place where the Hamas leadership is hanging out. Uh, go ahead, Kevin. Okay, so it, it's always this thing, right? Uh, because here's the thing, right? Let's say Al Jazeera is not uh, legit, right? Because this always happens. Oh, that news source, they've been anti-Israel the entire time, so this is what's been going on. Okay, then what about the, the U.S. officials? Why is it that they acknowledge this? Why is it that the International Center of, 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 of the UN for War Crimes, I just named the lawyer who's actually working on this, right? He said with dreadful eyes, Toby Cadman is his name. He actually witnessed and saw the evidence of things that was actually going on and says, yes, this is the breaking, this is war crimes being committed here. If you look at what's going on in the West Bank, of the 143 people that died there so far, 40 of them was children, one of them was a woman, right? What, what, what outbreak or what, what protests will, will result in so far 40 children dying, right? So this is what they <laughs> do. You can look up. 
well, this is what you should do. Look up an allegation like this that happened three years ago, because this happens all the time, and then look at the correction that happened six months later. What they do is this. This, this is the game they play. They, they have a protest. The protest turns violent, and three people get shot. And you and I would all say that is completely legitimate. They were trying to attack the soldiers or whatever, and, and the people get shot. Also, a Hamas member shot from a house, and the returned fire killed his wife. So a woman died. And then they lump it all together as if it all happened in one shot. And if, and it, it, this takes time to go through it. Don't do not do it now because it's a tug of war. Look at how this same story unfolded two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, and see the pattern. And then we can have this conversation again in six months and see what happened this time. But because of the pattern of all these years of the exact same playbook, I'm going to assume until we get all the facts that it's going to unfold the exact same way. I mean, and Kevin, look, look, you... how, look, look how they announced that 500 people died in the hospital. It turns out it wasn't a hospital, it was a parking lot. It wasn't 500 people, it was like 20. And it wasn't an Israeli bomb, it was, it was uh, um, um, Islamic Jihad. And that's not like an oddity. That happens all the time. And Kevin, yeah, right, I'm like gonna... what, you, what you post in chat, like, you know, you guys are losing your humanity. But uh, I, I don't think any of us are. Okay, so like, you know, show of hands, everyone here. If a legit child gets murdered, who supports that? No one? Okay. So, so it's we're not arguing over like actual innocent death and facts. The loss no, of no, life no, is no, unfortunate. No, that's no, that's no, bad. No, no, no. Hang on, man. Kevin. What you think? But maybe because he interrupted me. So I'm I'm just trying to say it, it's sorting out propaganda. So like if if like Israeli citizens are picking up guns and rapidly murdering complete innocent people, then that's bad. That sucks. We're arguing about whether or not it's true. But the sources you give, like the UN. The UN didn't even vote to condemn Hamas. Like, and like, condemn is a strongly worded letter. Like, it's not like they're actually doing anything. They couldn't get enough UN votes to send a strongly worded letter to Hamas saying that's bad, tisk tisk. So any source, like, like anything coming from that, is super suspect at best. Like, these are like people who constantly have their own human rights abuses of you know the blue helmets going into places to help. And then they end up like raping all kinds of people and like murdering and torturing people for fun. These are like sick degenerates that I don't know if they have bad screening or what, but get in there with the helmets. Um, and then you said, you know, when, what, even if our own government is confirming this, look what happened during the, the summer of love, right? And like Chaz or Chop in Seattle, like how peaceful it was, but everyone got raped and murdered. They set fire to a peace station, a uh, police station. And like, what, what was the other place? Um, I'm almost done, Kevin. But the other place specifically, you brought up Black Lives Matter. Like Black Lives Matter. Do you remember like when CNN was reporting and there was like bombs going off and like fires, like department stores were burning and people were like running like crazy people through the street. And they said it was a BLM mostly peaceful protest. And there was like billions of dollars of damage and like everything was burning. So, you know, the propaganda machine is real. Um, right, right. I, w I wasn't advocating or, or, or justifying anything Black Lives Matter was doing. And I think you're, you're taking the conversation the wrong way, right? Our overall point in all of this is that there's scores of children dying. And it's not, oh, that's just war. It's just, it's, it's an overall, I think it's, it's an overstatement of what happened, man. Like the 1,400 that died in Israel in my heart school, after that, when that first happened, I said Hamas has to pay, for sure. But at this point, seeing the amount of lives that, uh, that are lost, the children's lives that are lost, uh, the, the, the innocent people that are being killed in this conflict, the 4,000 Gazians in Israel right now who had their uh, their their uh, their uh, permits revoked, right? They were revoked, and the fear is That's now that they're going to be. I'm reading it right now, man. See, see, okay. see this is this so, is what's going to happen, right? 
What's gonna, how, does, how does how does conversation gonna go? Hold on. How does conversation gonna go? Is I'm gonna quote something that I'm actually reading in the media. You guys are gonna say that's not true. There's some type of conspiracy behind it or some type of thing behind it. Where no, I'm gonna, gonna tell you what it means. Go. I'm gonna tell you what it means. They might say the truth of the last paragraph and get buried in the article, or they might even not explain it. Twenty thousand permits a day were given to Gaza residents to work inside of Israel. Those permits were revoked. It's not like there are Gaza. No one that is a Gaza resident resides in Israel. That it's not like they're sitting in their house and they're getting deported. Like you're thinking of, of squatter. Like 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 the the ice coming in and pulling people out. That's not that's not at all what's happening. It's like Mexican so, day workers here. Yes, and now the border is closed because there's a war, and we can't vet the people coming through anymore. That we can't. It's not it's not possible to set up like a TSA stations at the border like they used to do during a wartime. So, so those permits were revoked. So, yeah, it, it, this is the problem. They take like a drop of truth and say it's so off that they, again, the, Hamas's propaganda is not even a lie. And so we should have this conversation. What's happening over there is Hamas said, we will kill everyone that we find. And they did. And then they said, you can look it up. They said, we will do it again. And you keep mentioning revenge, by the way. I'm not going to talk for Nate, Nate, but I don't think that's a Christian concept by either. Revenge is not the point there. It's preventing the next attack. Revenge is for God. God will take revenge. We just will prevent the next attack. Hamas uses their children as human shields. This is well documented as well. They purposely shoot from populated areas. If, if, if you think it's disproportionate, which first of all, compared to other wars, it's not. Go look at how many people were killed by the U.S. and Iraq. Look how many, like, look, look at every other army that tries not to kill civilians and the percentage of civilians that were killed. And look at this war and tell me it's a big number. But even if you think it's a big number, it's because Hamas is doing it. So we should be distracted from the actuality of what the war was about and what the goals are. And that Israel is trying its hardest not to kill civilians. So we don't have the real conversation. Yeah, that's Hamas's propaganda. That's the true propaganda. And that's, I think, what you're missing. Right. So there's always going to be, a, I noticed that every single one of your arguments that you presented is a propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. So let's go back to this but if it's story. True, let's, go through, let's go through the story carefully, right? So the, of the four thousand, you said they offer twenty thousand permits in the standing of there's like people that's coming from Mexico, right? Wait, wait, wait. But What's hold on, first, Kev, Kev, wait. What is the source that you're quoting from? Let's all look at the source together so that we can all no, no it. problem. So uh, I'm looking at a headline from Al Jazeera: UN worried workers are being sent back. Okay. To so first of all, so first of all, right off the bat, nothing from Al Jazeera can be used as a source. So why, like why, what I would why, why is that? why because it is because uh, it it's is the Qataris state, government. Oh my yeah. God. It is a state. It is a state propaganda outlet from the Qatari government that supports Hamas. The, the leader of Hamas. Okay, so so the so, leader so, so, of Hamas is a guest of the Qatari government, okay, so and he who, lives who, in a giant high rise in Qatar. Right. So so Al who's Zero. so who's media so who's whose media outlet should be trusted at this point? Al Jazeera. Open, open well, social media. Who, I'm, I'm, asking, I'm asking, who's, if, 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 if every time a news report comes up or something, something comes out about something happening over there in this, or, or over that area, and it's children dying and this happened and that happening, there's, there's an instant, well, that's propaganda, there's this, there's that. So how about this? You tell me off the back right now, if I'm, if I am to be informed about this situation going forward, what source should I use? Well, I first, let's just, well, let's take the Taliban off the list. Let's not use <laughs> Well, well, obviously, man. I'm, I'm oh, okay, Kevin, 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 the answer, Kevin, Kevin, here's the answer. First of all, it's got to be something, right? It should at least cause you pause or to withhold judgment that three people 
who weren't talking at the same time. Chris was like on a FaceTime or something. Lou said it. You know, Lou brought it to our attention, the Qatari government. Mir backed it up. Uh, you know, I, without knowing either of their positions, uh, have come to the same conclusion. And then Chris, that didn't hear any of this, shows up. And he's like, oh, no, that's the Qatari state-run media. How about this high, right, hiding in uh, high-rise? Like, you've got, like, four people that all, like, that doesn't unbeknownst matter. to the— already I, had that conclusion in the room Hang on. Already. What do you mean by you Kevin, guys? Kevin, you also—we we never discussed Kev, Kevin, before. Wait, Kevin, here, Kevin hang, hang on. Hang on. Kevin, here's the answer. The answer is withhold judgment. There's so much propaganda that if you just take face value and form a judgment, you're almost guaranteed to be wrong. So I may not have a great idea to how to how to be right except withhold judgment. But if you just see something on the news from any source and take it as fact, that's how you are almost guaranteed to be wrong. What you need to do, since you know we're on the other side of the world and the governments aren't listening to us anyways, is uh, withhold judgment, wait a couple days until all the sources come out and – all the corrections are made. I mean, some of the stuff, like the big stuff, may take years. We may never know. But the stuff, like you know, what what you've been talking about today, wait a couple days. Wait for other people to get on the record. Wait for actual fact checkers to show up. Get all the information, then make your decision. That's the right, right way to right, do it. Right. Right. Most so, things. Right. So, and in, in, if you're going to take such a path, and if you <clears> paid <throat> attention to what I said from the beginning, instead of the trigger word, oh, Hamas and Israel, and all of a sudden thinking propaganda, this, that, and the third, then no one can take either side. If that's the case, no one well, can we say could that. look at history. We could look at history. We could look at in the past. Like, oh, dude, don't look right, at this war in the fog of war. Okay, so, so if, I, if, if you give me the advice to hold a judgment, then why would I say also, like if I came here and was pro-Israel, would you question my information? Kevin, I answered you. you. I don't you know would, why you're throwing it, away It never answer. happens. Kevin, why are you getting so emotional about Why are you getting so Kevin? Let me finish what I'm saying, man. Answer this, Kevin. Hold on, hold on. Let me get this out. Let me get this out. Let me get this out. When I go into rooms and I am pro-Israel and I'm talking about things, I am not uh, nothing about fact checking come up, nothing about propaganda comes up, nothing, nothing. Then you haven't been in. Wait, no, I I can't. Okay, I can't. Sorry, Kevin. I got to stop you. I've like I'm like the number one propaganda machine. Like, look at the person down there with the little star in their picture. They've already said everything I believe is a conspiracy. Like, the stuff we talked about Netanyahu, right? Like, all the government stuff? Yeah. Like, withhold judgment. I'm not letting that pass. Like, what I can say is, like, look at the indisputables, right? The, the people who made – the first primary aggressors, that's indisputable, Hamas. The people who are dying, the people who are defending themselves, certain things are indisputable. But whenever we talk about, like, other stuff, there's not a blanket support. Like, half of, it, half of Israel doesn't support their government. Netanyahu's got like a what forty percent approval rating. Like, there's plenty of problems within their government. Um, that's all. So it's not like no one is pushing back against the governments. Go ahead. Yeah. So what what I found now, I, I noticed you talked about yourself, Nate. And, and to be honest, I haven't really been on your stages talking about Israel Hamas. I think you had one room open. I was in the audience. I think we talked about it earlier. I don't come up and speak. So I'm not talking about this room or what you think. Right. What I'm talking about is the scores of rooms that have been open. Right. They've been pro-Israel. Right. I went into rooms and those rooms will always say the exact same thing Mira is saying. This propaganda. These 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 uh, news outlets are lying. There's really something else going on. This is what's really going on, et cetera, et cetera. If anyone brings up anything regarding Palestinians and them being killed or their safety, or, or any of those things that happened, even talking about in the in, back in the day, right? We're talking about 1947, right? Where there were reports of Israel actually attacking villages and killing women and children with machine gun fire, like literally lining them up and killing them. Now, that is a real fact. 
So when that it's stuff not. comes up, it's okay. So see, you see what I mean? So, 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 am I to throw urine reports away? No, I told you what to do over and over. I don't know why you keep ignoring. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Kevin, I'm talking no, about. Let, let okay, I'm gonna I'm bring out this specific. Hold on, bro. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're no, gonna no, get Kevin, right to we're it. Gonna, uh, Kevin, you, you, you asked. I want to answer you. Let's, let's, let's move. No, no, no. I didn't, topic. I didn't fairly the ask. Reason why. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, and I'm gonna read this to you. I'm gonna. I'm no, gonna, I'm I don't want to get notes. distracted. I don't want to get distracted with a with a with a with a report from 1948. You want to say that a crime happened 1948? Let's move past that for a moment. My my point my point here is you asked. How am I supposed to figure out what's going on if you're going to keep claiming propaganda? So let's 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 go to a new topic for one minute. I, I I'm I'm a divorce counselor right now. I'm trying to reconcile a marriage. I have two people. They both tell me very different stories. How do I figure out what's going on here? Now the absolute truth, I'll never know. But how do I figure out the gist of what's going on here? Do you have any suggestions? I didn't hear that last part. What you said? Do you have any suggestions how I can figure out the gist of what's going on here? I, I have. Um, well, you, you hear you hear one thing. He's telling me something else. Right. Uh, you hear one side of the uh, the uh, the situation. You hear the other side of the situation, and you kind of summarize based upon the two. Uh, what could be plausible? What could be said? If there's a lie being said, this, that, and the other. I'm not sure if you're also talking to the children as well. I doubt that you guys do talk to children, uh, but I don't know if there's a third party involved. The but... Okay, so so you're saying plausibility. That's a good way, but I, I'll give you a better suggestion. I, I, I deal with these people for a while. Let me show some of them. Then you figure out what's the pattern of history. So in the past, every time the guy tells me like a, a story of abuse, when I look into it a drop further, I find out that it's grossly exaggerated. The guy might be borderline histrionic, I don't know. And every time she tells me a story, yeah, sometimes she tells me from her point of view, and sometimes she makes herself, you know, when she really said it in a nasty voice, she said it a little, she says it in a way she said it calmer. But for the most part, the stories come out to be true. So now I, I have a pattern here. I'm going to believe one side, not believe the other side. So what I'm telling you to do here, and if you think I'm biased, do your own homework. Look at all the allegations in the last couple of years and look how they pan out at the end. A great example of this last war is the hospital bombing. How long did it take the media to announce that it was 500 people? It was less than an hour. And how long did it take Israel to confirm how many people were massacred? It took a week because it, reality takes a week. And how many questions did we get? Is that real blood? They said 40 babies were killed. Some were decapitated. It got repeated as all were decapitated. And they're like, wait, they weren't all decapitated. Maybe they're lying. And, and look, look, look at who comes out to be mostly right all the time. Now, is there framing that you're going to be able to argue with? For sure. Are there crimes that have been committed in, in a small scale that, that shouldn't have been done, that people get prosecuted for? Of course. But look at the pattern. That, that's what I'm trying to tell you. The entire conversation is propaganda. What they want us to do is argue on the fringes. Who started, and Nate's telling you over and over also, who started this war? What's the solution to the war? That's the big picture. Right. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm, like I'm repeating myself over and over again. When I first spoke about it, I said to myself, and I've been saying this, I'm, I am pro-Israel. However, there are things that are troubling me that's going on there. Right? All I did was take an objective look at the violence and what's happening there. And like every room that's pro-Israel, the instantaneous thing is, well, we're going to defend Israel in this stance, and we're not going to really talk about this. So, so, so this is what I'm talking about, right? So, this is the, the type of stuff I'm reading. Well, I would United say Nations... that. Oh, you weren't done. Yeah. Right, so, the United Nations Palestine Commission communicated uh, 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 um, receipt communication received from the United Nations concerning Jewish attack on Arab village. Right. Two hundred fifty people were killed. Right. In great savagery. 
Okay, men, women, and children were lined up and shot with machine gun fire. They were stripped up of their clothes and they were shot with machine gun fire. There has been history of of this going, this back and forth going on, and it's been violent atrocities that has been committed by both sides, right? Do you realize and, what you just said? Let's break it down. You just said that the UN received the report. I mean, someone claimed it seventy five years ago. Now, was the report verified? Did anyone verify the report besides someone making an allegation against their enemy? All right. Do we see the direction of what happens here? So, yeah, that's Kevin, that, Kevin that's, a, a, that's a valid. Hold on, Kevin, you and I are friends, dude. That is a valid question that he's asking because I know about the incident you're talking about. Um, I, I, I happen to know all about it, actually, and it never happened. And so, okay, so the what, idea, so what, so the idea here is like that the UN has been anti-Israel and continues to be. Do you know who they just elected to head the Human Rights Commission at the United Nations yesterday? What country? Okay. Iran. What, what is Iran. They just, Iran they just elected Iran to head yep. up the Human Rights Commission for the United okay. Nations. Right. So this was, this happened when? When did this happen? Literally yesterday. yesterday. Okay, so we're talking about seventy-five years ago. See how? See how? No, but the, but again, like, it's not. It's not like the UN has radically shifted in character. The UN has okay, so, consistently been anti-Jewish. Okay, so UN has been anti-Jewish since ever since they were established. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. And there is Come documented on, evidence of so, this. You so, just so have regarding, to go out and look for it. Okay, you said that you know about the situation very well. Then you went on to. Iran being uh, put in the position just yesterday. So what evidence do you have that counters this UN report that I just read about just now? So it's very long. I can send you the actual report that is generated by the United States State Department about this thing. So I'll just send, I'll just, I'll just, well, crap. How can I send it? I guess I'll just post it in the it's chat. Not, I think it said he was on the Discord. Okay. Or yeah, also post it in chat. Oh, Kevin. So, so find me on Discord. Like, let's connect over there and then I can send you PMs. So, well, can yeah, you also like, post this on chat for anyone else that's not? Understood? I don't. I, I, yeah, I, I've read the source. I don't have it right at hand, and I'm trying to to cook lunch for today for my family. So give me a few minutes, and I'll go find it. But like, I'm not trying to dodge or anything. But like, yeah, I mean, there is historical evidence to all of this stuff. And what I'm trying to tell you is that like, there are a lot of sources that are radically biased. And so what I would say. For everybody, not just for Kevin, but for everybody, if you go to Ground News, you is a very nice app. And what it does is it shows you biases um, proven over time in whatever media to show you what their biases are up front before just reading the articles. So Ground News is a really nice app. So it'll show you right wing, left wing bias. It'll show you. Um, pro-Israel, pro-Palestinian bias. It's a very, very well-done app. By the uh, way, I Kevin, know. I read Al Jazeera, and the reason I read Al Jazeera is because I want to know what Hamas wants me to think, and that helps me understand what's going on. So it, it, you just have to know the bias. Uh, Al Jazeera is the, the mouthpiece for Hamas. Now, it's, sometimes that might not be a bad thing. I actually think that if, we, if our media owned their biases, we would do better. Like if you're the, if you're the Democrat, um, what can we call propaganda, like apologist, Go ahead and tell me that, and I'll read what you have to say. I might not accept it, but I'll read it. So just know what you're reading. And, and, and when you see a report, you have to do what, what Chris just told you, because that, that's the entire thing I'm trying to tell you now. If you really want to know what's going on, you got to look at the allegations. you got to look how they're panned out, and you got to understand that this entire reason why Hamas does this 
is for the distraction. They are losing the war on the ground and they want us talking about this and not finishing the job. Uh, Brandon wanted to say something, I think, a really long time ago. Brandon, did you still want to speak? Uh, I, I, I can't even remember what I was <laughs> going to say. It's, it's been that long. <laughs> but, I, I mean, you know, you're going to find bias everywhere. So, you know, if you find small pockets of, uh, you know, or big pockets of clubhouse pro-Israel people or something like that, if you feel the need to get balanced somehow, go to, like, any other source. Turn on, like, you know, 90% of cable news. Go to like any college campus in America. Um, you'll get the other side real fast. Uh, you know, walk down New York streets with the Star of David. Um, I don't know. See what happens. Just kidding. Don't do that. You'll get murdered. So don't do that. Um, so so you know, just just because some people may be, you know, skewed to one side in your understanding, um, many more are on the other side. Oh, now I remember. It just came back to me. Um... I, like I say in the in the conflict, like I think you said the initiator and the thing with uh, Hamas attacking that's very that's undeniable in that instance. I uh, my only thing I just want as many the 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 diminishment of many people as not being innocent people being killed as possible. But I think with any nation, you know, taking them taking the steps to protect their their borders, I think is reasonable as far as the. Like the day workers, uh, you know, I, I get it. You know, hey, if especially with their, you know, abducting people and things like that. I mean, uh, look, I get it because we would do the same thing. Would we not in the U.S.? Um, if there's anything, we probably need to tighten up some of our security restraints. So, I mean, I just wish um, if anything is possible on both sides, because my thing is um, human life is... Uh, is valuable no matter what side or what country it's from. Uh, I just would like, especially in, in the, the terms of the children, uh, to Israeli children or Palestinian children, I just wish in any instance, in any instance, I wish, um, if possible, God knows I wish that, you know, if we could, that they not be killed. Um, I understand war is not a pretty game. I, I do understand the reality of it, but that is my only thing, and I do understand Hamas plays a dirty, dirty game, but I, that is the only thing, because every time I hear about a child, whether it's an Israeli child, a Palestinian child, or an uh, African child, uh, I, I always think about my child, and it, it, it does bother me. Um, yeah, that, that's exactly what I thought. So, like, my kids come home, right, especially my nine-year-old, right? So when you see like video of because this is one video, I recorded it and I can't really stomach to watch it again. Um, but the kid, uh, I, that's why I was I was like, it was chemical weapons used um, because this one video horrified me and I'm watching this live. Right. So there's a there's the hospital scene and they have everybody's coming in and out, in and out, in and out the hospital. You got bodies coming by. You got injured people coming by. And there's this one scene I could post it up on YouTube, but y'all are going to be disturbed by this. And I haven't seen it anywhere else. This one guy brings up a kid to the camera and he's yelling at somebody to move out the way or he wants to bring the kid and the kid just vomit. He's he's so he looked like he was caught in an explosion. But at the same time, he's vomiting uh, as though he's extremely ill and sick. And and then I, I sent them to my, my, my in-law and they were like. Is that a result of a chemical weapon? I said, I don't know. But, you know, 
to see these images. So I'm trying to get y'all where I'm coming from. To see these images and then bus comes and kid comes off bus and he comes home. And it's like, hey, I got my, you know, my grades, this, that and the other, whatever. It's, it's very hard to say, well, those people are terrorist sympathizers and they deserve that or, or anything like that. I'm, I mean, like, I understand what Hamas is doing. Like, I get that. I understand that according to Israeli intelligence, they have bases under hospitals and stuff. I have not seen, uh, unless you guys seen evidence for this. I have not seen any evidence for this. We have seen but, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of video evidence of this. It's all out there. Hamas doesn't YouTube. even deny it. And <laughs> they don't deny it. And Hamas actually publishes how awesome their tunnel system is. And they show them going into hospitals. So, uh, I mean, like. you're talking about Shifa Hospital. But they don't deny yeah. it. And they could also see the, 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 the ventilation systems being used from the hospitals from above images. It's hard to deny this one. I mean, and and it, they just they just did a bombing attack against um, some uh, Hamas leaders, and literally when they when the bomb went off, all of a sudden a massive cave-in of all the tunnels started happening, and lots of other houses started getting caught where there was no support underground for the tunnels, and tons of houses collapsed like a sinkhole into the tunnels through no fault of the Israelis. So I mean. None of this is deniable. Um, and I will tell you, Kevin, so there are a lot, a lot of propaganda videos coming out from Hamas, um, exactly as you're describing, that are that are literally using crisis actors. Um, they've been caught many times with the same people, um, uh, feigning injuries, faking them, best Hollywood stuff. Um and I'm not saying that the, the incident that you're specifically talking about is fake. What I'm saying is that there are 20 videos just like it that are. So, Kevin, okay, if, so, you're, so, if you're concerned so with innocent wait, children. Wait, wait. Nobody's going to question that. Like, no, we're not. So, there's. So you guys believe that there are actors that are. 100%. I don't believe it. I know it because it is it's actually not that we believe. Freedom. You can see the same actor playing two roles. You can see the, an alleged dead person moving their head. You can see someone being wheeled in, still holding their phone. There are mistakes in the acting. We don't have to believe it. It's irrelevant, Kevin. There are there are children that have been hurt. So the fact that the, the, there, are vi there are video angles of someone like making a bed and then also she turns and sees her own kid. It's like perfectly shot. Yeah, you know, when 9 11, when 9 11 happened, uh, uh, what was the documentary? Loose Change. Loose Change wasn't released for till a couple of years later. And and credit to Loose Change because, or the producer, whoever made Loose Change, because they revealed a lot of things there that we weren't able to catch before. But this soon in the conflict, there's already a summer. You are you guys already summarized that there are actors on premise, that there's people faking injuries, that there's the same actor. That's Kevin, they've been several... done before. Before do the you not... they've Kevin, do you remember? Wait, guys, do you remember COVID? Like this very thing happened in COVID. Like, do you do you just are, are you just not aware? Like in Australia, um, in America, like you've had people on respirators, and there have been people with like you know iPhone footage, like you know like that came out to be whistleblowers. Who these people are like dead and dying on respirators. They're telling everyone why they need a thousand vaccines and masks to save the world, stop the curve. And then you've got iPhone footage of these people, you know pulling the thing off their face, jumping up and saying bye and walking out the room like 100 percent. But Kevin, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. Children are getting hurt. That's true. And if your point is that we should never lose our humanity for people getting caught in the conflict, I, I agree with you. It's, 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 it's harder for me right now, but you should be easier for you. They are victims of Hamas starting a war from civilian. The problem here is what you're doing is 
you're saying problem, a mother lost a child. That's an awful story. Obviously, it's the other side's fault. That's not necessarily true. If you shoot a rocket from a, from a nursery and then in retaliation, a child gets hurt, that's on you. That, like, that's where you're not doing the math right. But it's terrible. Don't lose your humanity. Definitely like, like feel for these people. Uh, and, I, and I'll be honest, I, uh, I, I hear what both sides were saying, and I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers. God knows I don't. And I, and I imagine the world is, is more complex than uh, my worldview from here in Alabama. But I guess, um, and I don't know if I'm really in a position to be a judge. Uh, that's why there is a perfect judge who uh, definitely is more, who is qualified. And if there's ever a job opening that said judge of all creation, I just want everybody to rest assured you would never see me applying for it. Uh, but uh, if there is any way possible in any situation where we can take the uh, path where we can, where we cannot compromise our humanity as much or to have less death as much, I would definitely would hope that that's the decision we're making. But I definitely understand the decision to take the less you know that will cause less death but i do understand war is war and and when you have to pick what's you know less than less i understand but it's just it's just it's just it's just troublesome but i would definitely hate to think that there would be unnecessary uh casualties taken when they could be avoided Right. But well, they're not going to. Well, they're not going to be but, people as a human shield. Then you cannot avoid those casualties. the The atrocities are not on the Israeli side now. Like what what Mir said, um, in terms of there may be some individual actors or something like that that will be prosecuted in the IDF. That may be the case. I don't know. Um, but overall, the moral responsibility for civilian casualties in Gaza is not the moral responsibility. Of Israel, pardon me, of Israel. It is the moral responsibility. Sorry if it's loud. It is the moral responsibility of Hamas, who insists on using human shields. Um, and so, yes, there are children being hurt. There are women being hurt. They are also being used as human shields. There are thirty thousand people in Gaza that rule Gaza that are members of Hamas. If the Israeli government is successful in executing all 30,000 of those people, then the Palestinian people can be free. And they are not free. They are under the thumb of a terrorist organization. And Kevin, I, I would remind you that re there's gonna be casualties, right? So if you say, you know, it's, it's a shame that they don't do more to eliminate casualties, all it means is it's gonna be different casualties. So if it's like, you know, like Chris said, you know, the people who's using human shields if something happens, that's not the, the moral failings of, of Israel or for whatever reason. Like, you know, they started it. The blood is on their hands, whether people want to admit it or not. But if they took care to go in and try to prevent as many of those casualties on that side as possible, there's still going to be casualties. And it's going to be on the people who didn't start this and don't want this. Um, they're going to be the ones dying. So it's not like, uh, well, you have a choice between lots of casualties and zero casualties. It's like you have a choice between which side are the casualties going to be on. The people who, you know, are taken hostage by their own own people ruling the land and who wanted this battle or the people that did not pick this fight. Um, so no one's getting out of casualties. It's happening.
Sean, what's up? Hey, good good morning to everyone. Uh, first of all, uh, I hear the politicizing of this, and it's not to be politicized. Death comes for everyone. I, I, and yes, there are casualties, and when I see women and children on both sides killed, I have a problem. But I do understand that as a military veteran, sometimes you are placed in situations that you do not want to be in. And when the indoctrination of this of this Islam of this true Islam, uh, which tells you you can kill and lie and told to kill Jews and Christians, there is a problem. And jihad, whether we want to accept it or not, is a real thing. And it's been going on for quite a while. Now, I didn't really start knowing about it until in the 1970s. But from the 70s on till our current time, we have had some Islamic fundamentalists who have gone around and killed not only people, but themselves in the name of Allah. And I cannot support terrorism in any way but I do draw the line at women and children uh, because if they're not serving in the military why kill them and I, I but like I said I do understand the uh, particulars of this this foolish this foolishness that war to quote the famous general who said it, war is hell. And that's just the truth. Thank you. Hey, Serendipity. Good morning. Good morning. What's on your mind today? Oh, my goodness. Where to even start? <laughs> uh, I have a question I want to ask, but I need a little bit more coffee to get into my veins before I start the <laughs> conversation. Okay. Who wants to hold it down until uh, serendipity fuels up? Hey, my bad if you guys been asking me questions. Uh, I've been uh, working on something. I'm sorry, because I'm not hearing anything right now. Is somebody speaking? Uh. Me. Okay, now I hear. Yep, yep. Okay. <clears throat> I, didn't hear it, but. I was gonna say, not that anybody cares, but I, I had my first Unitarian debate last night. Oh, how did it go? Not impressed. I'll be honest. Not impressed with yourself or them. No, I'm not a Unitarian. <laughs> uh, no, it was um with with a um uh, with a Unitarian uh like they don't believe that believe Jesus is God. Um, it was on YouTube, um, channel named Faithful Theology. It was, it was very interesting. Um, not impressed, not impressed at all. Well, feel free to post the link if anyone wants to see it. Yeah, it, it was just kind of like, 
I was I was I was thinking on it last night and I was going through my mind. It was kind of like the pretty much all the arguments. Jesus is a man, and I was like, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Got me there. Got me there. Chris, are you uh, are you running around doing stuff, or are you are you back? Well, um, yeah, Kevin. I was gonna. Uh, I, w- I really want to get with you guys on Discord. Um, so I'm part of the room. I'm trying to see how to link up with you guys there. Um, uh, what do you mean? You're in Discord. Yeah, I'm in Discord. I joined the uh, Ask a Christian server. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to see how to actually see the individuals in that uh, space. Uh, well, Chris is there. <laughs> I guess he got in trouble. <laughs> but everyone else is. Um, if you click on, if you click on one of the channels, like you know, one of the rooms in Ask a Christian, like you know, discussions, memes, like wh- whatever you're looking at, it'll show you who's in that channel. If you on your phone, if you like swipe right i think it'll show you a list of them or there's like a little person icon and it'll show you who's in there yeah i see that message in general yeah yeah so most of the people are in there and they will see that like yeah so that's how you do it and then if you want to find a specific person just like swipe swipe right i think or click on the little person and uh, that'll show you a list of everyone so you can send individual messages and things Inexplicably, there are anti-Christian moderators on that server, so I <laughs> But that's just me, you know. Just looking for someone who's remotely calm and has a level head sometimes. Who can well, just click buttons. the two people that have a green bean on that server. Well, that's because you hate women. Yeah, probably. I am a I am a firm patriarchy uh, person, so I will say that I will not be apologetic for being a fan of the patriarchy. In what way? Like women can't work and uh, they just have to make babies, or they can't be spiritual leaders, or what way exactly? I mean, women absolutely should be spiritual leaders, one hundred percent. Well, you to know the way you mean, yeah. yeah. Like to that way, men, no. Or like cover your hate face maybe with like some kind of veil that makes you look like a folded up umbrella, or you know you can't be seen in public without like a male relative or something. I mean, you know those are all really good ideas. I don't think I go that far. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, no, what I would say is like you know there's there are these ideas that have crept into evangelical Christianity that are directly from first and second wave feminism because as many of you know. One of the things that I do to myself to make sure that I never get caught in a bubble of my own ideology is I read third, second and third wave feminist academic papers because it is great fun if you have ever tried it. Um, and so my favorite feminist scholar is Catherine McKinnon. Um, so if you guys want to look her up, she's a second wave feminist scholar. Really great. Anyway. So, and, and I say really great kind of tongue-in-cheek. She's a complete nutball. But the, uh, the long and the short of it is that, uh, yes, um, met, God has designed roles for men and women, and they are different, and they complement each other, but they are not the same. 
No, they're absolutely not the same. I'm curious though, where, where, uh, you said something a little earlier, um, that you feel like a lot of things, I'm, I'm trying to rephrase it. I don't know if I remember exactly what you said, that modern Christianity has some things that come from feminism. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Like explain that, explain that part. Like, well, it depends on the group that you're talking about. Like, um, Sorry, I'm driving and there's nut balls. Um, so, so for instance, like, you know, and, and people are going to disagree with me, but like lady pastors to me, lady pastors comes out of straight feminism. It doesn't come out of anything biblical. There are no biblical arguments for it. The ones that are put forth in terms of Junia and all these other ones are literally put forth by feminist scholars that people are unaware of, like Elizabeth A. Clark. So, I mean... I read those scholars, I know what the origin of the arguments are, and they are not in any way biblical. And so there's a lot of those types of things that directly come from feminist scholars. Yeah, like uh, Joyce Myers, um, I wouldn't say Kenneth Copeland's wife, Gloria Copeland. Um, but I know what you mean. Uh, I, I kind of feel what you're saying in that. I, I just wanted to know uh, specifically what you thought about it and see if it lines up things with that I'm thinking. Uh, I, I think that women absolutely should have leadership roles in all kinds of things. Like my wife teaches ladies Bible studies and she is she is working for the next six months on First Peter, on First Peter, the book of First Peter. And she thinks that she can exegetically get it done in 24 sessions, four chapters of First Peter. She is thorough. She is a seminary graduate. She teaches only other women, but the women that she teaches are so much better equipped than their husbands that, you know, it's kind of sad. It's sad for us because we don't have male teachers that are as good as my wife. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> Serendipity, was that the kick you needed for your. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, okay. So this is a big one. This has been on my mind for a couple of weeks. Um, you know how we all tend to hear the keywords that get picked up on Clubhouse and used repeatedly and I think sometimes, many times, um, erroneously, you know, everybody's a racist, everybody's a this. And one of the things that I've been struggling with, particularly among my Christian friends, is everybody's a heretic. <laughs> <laughs> and and the way that that we use that word and we lob that insult at each other and you know i don't i mean heresy obviously clearly is is something that exists it's it's important and but i think that the definition of heresy is is also important. And I think that we as Christians have a really bad habit of lobbying that term at anyone that has like a secondary or a tertiary difference in, in their doctrine to us. Um, and, you know, heresy in the Bible is like a very serious thing. Like if you're a heretic, you're not a Christian. And I don't know. I just kind of wanted to bring up the discussion and the debate about the fact that, you know, I, I think that we should be a lot more conscientious about throwing that term around because 
you know, essentially, I think if if a believer upholds the the primary tenets of Christianity, you know, the the established primary tenets of you know Jesus Christ being the only way to eternal salvation, that we're saved, you know, by grace through faith, that He's the Son of God, you know, and and they believe in the incarnation, the resurrection, and the ascension, and and you know that the Bible's the inspired Word of God, like. I think we have to be really, really careful about beating each other down on on these these secondary issues. And I don't know. So that was kind of what I wanted to bring to the table. Well, this is clearly a uh, moment for Chris um, because <laughs> I I am a little easier on the heretic thing. Like it's not my thing to just you know tell people they're damned to hell for heresy. I, I mean, unless it's someone like Bob. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, most most people that, you know, have have like a secondary or tertiary thing. Um, and, and usually before I'll say, you know, you're hellfire, uh, you know, firewood for hell. Um, I'll say something about, well, look, only God knows your heart or something like that. But here are some serious flaws that if you're asking my opinion, yeah, this is bad. You're in for a bad time. But only God knows your heart. I'll usually kind of, I don't know, hedge or, or leave it nicer like that. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'm doing a disservice. But anyways, uh, Chris. What do you have to say for yourself? Well, and Chris, hold on. Before you interject real quick, and Calvinists are one of the ones that he, some Calvinists can be a little bit difficult, okay? They they have a bit of a reputation on this app. <laughs> 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 they have a little bit of a reputation on this app. Wait, are you a Calvinist? I am not. I am not oh. a Calvinist. Um, She's just friends with me. <laughs> I am friends with Chris. And the thing of it is, I I believe in spite of, it, you know, even like the Calvinist perspective, I feel like Calvinists are really bad to throw out the heretic um, insult, but I also feel like it's lobbed at them a lot as well. Um, I feel like there's almost like this anti-Calvinist uh, <laughs> movement of people that just really want to, you know, I don't know go aggressively at Calvinism. And the fact of the matter is, like, I, I just want to preface my statement here by saying that, like, I believe that, I believe, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Chris doesn't have a relationship with his creator and that he's not going to heaven when he dies. Um, I see it witnessed and exampled in everything that he does. And I don't think that his Calvinist you know, some of those tenets that maybe I disagree with in Calvinism are going to hold him back from that eternal salvation. Just as I believe that, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I, I just want to say, I think that the relationship that a person chooses to have with their creator and the way that that influences and impacts their walk says so much more about these secondary and tertiary issues, you know, does that make sense? Okay. Sorry. I just, I wanted to include that caveat because Calvinists are, <laughs> they have a reputation. Well, it, it depends on the view of that person. Like it, when, when, when someone who's a Calvinist say that these things are secondary, the person who's opposing Calvinism does not look at those things as being secondary because they feel like uh, you're changing the nature of God. You're changing how he thinks. You're changing the operation of how uh, grace works. You're changing the operation of how the gospel works, this, that, and the other. So it really depends on the person if they view if they if they view those things as being secondary, and a lot of them don't. But, That's but why that doesn't pass. Five aren't years. the primary tenets of Christianity like established? I mean, they they have like a list of essentially the twelve tenets of Christianity. 
Yeah, and, most and Calvinists right. don't disagree with any of those. Right, right, right. So th- what what I'm saying is the view of the one who opposes uh, Calvinism. They don't view they don't view Calvinism as being a secondary issue. Um, that's the reason right, why they they on this heritage. It was just like most like most of the Calvinists I've met, you know, aren't like I, I can escape being damned to hell by them. So you know they think I'm wrong, but they think. Eh, okay, well, you know, he believes because I mean the biggest thing is how you get to the conclusion. Like, like you know, the, the people, the you know, Calvinists and not, they're they're on the same page about the end game. The end game is oh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Repent and believe the gospel. So like, the end result is everyone's cool. Everyone's kumbaya. Everyone argues on how to get there though. It's like, wait. Did you choose God? Did God choose you? Were you dragged by chains, um, you know, to God? Like, could you resist? So, like, all all the fighting comes in the the how, not because uh, the end result, everyone agrees on. So it's like if everyone can just like put blinders on and not go back, and like if if people Calvinists and non-Calvinists would never discuss how they arrived at their conclusion, there would be no trouble because no one would know if they're just like, oh. What do you got to be do to be saved? Oh, repent and believe the gospel. Believe Jesus. Ask for eternal life. Be born again. Oh, you too. Like everyone could just sing Kumbaya. It's only when we start looking backwards at oh, well, how did that happen? That heaven or like you know hell on earth begins. <laughs> right, and and the thing is, is like the main Wesleyan guy on here, Malak. He and I are buddies, and he doesn't think I'm going to hell. Like that's silly. Like he would never say that. And same thing for him. And, and, you know, like, no one can tell me somebody like Pastor Sam is not a Christian. Like, that's just, I'm just not going to accept that, um, despite what anybody says or whatever he says. Um, you know, there's just certain things that, you know, again, in terms of, you know, the historic Christian faith, there are certain things that you must believe. Jesus is God, the virgin birth, you know, the Trinity, the, you know, the incarnation, the, you know, like all of these things that are super important in terms of understanding who God is and the, you know, the way in which he saves us, those are the primary issues. And I don't think Arminians or Calvinists uh, have any problem with each other for the most part. So, you know, everybody's, everybody's Christian. Um, but anyway, I got I to gotta run to an appointment. <laughs> hey, Pastor Sam, good timing. What's up? Somebody's talking. Oh, that's on my Yeah, what's up? Um, Calvinism is changes the gospel. It's not that. It, that's why it's not tertiary. Is because it changes the gospel. It change when you talk about changing who God's character is. When you talk about uh, changing the what the Bible clearly states is what born again is, and and how a person is born again. That's not tertiary. That's, Wait, so you don't think uh, Calvinists are saved now? I'm, talk, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about I'm talking about the doctrine. That's why I work for the last six weeks I've tried to make and maintain that my whole argument is against the doctrine. I haven't I haven't sent anybody to hell. I, I don't have that power. I, I disagree with uh, Dr. Johnson, but I respect Dr. Johnson and, and his opinion how he sees things and his his eternal salvation is between him and God. However, I don't agree with his doctrine at certain points. However, I would rather be a oneness than than to surrender my thought patterns to the ideologies of Calvinism. 
Calvinism changes who God is. It changes the love of God. It changes uh, how we perceive who we are concerning him. And that's a problem. That's a real problem. That's that's huge, um, you know, and that, you know, that is, is, is something that each individual has to uh, determine for themselves if Calvinism fits their uh, perspective of what the Bible actually relays to them as a believer. So whereas uh, somebody might send all of the Calvinists to hell, I'm not sending anyone, but I do not in any, any, I have no there's no landing place for me when it comes to Calvinism, especially since I've been uh, digging in and discovering the backgrounds of it and where it originates. So thank you for your time. Pastor, um, do you mind if I ask, because like th this is one of those questions, I, I wholly completely respect your opinion and probably in a lot of, of, of those same rights agree with a lot of what you think. Um, but I feel like it changes who God is for them. It it doesn't change who God is for anybody that doesn't identify as, as Calvinist. And I think the point like that Nate was making was that everybody agrees on the end result. It's the how we got there that we tend to argue about. And that's where I guess I look at it as more of a secondary. I, I think the premise, I think the ultimate goal is to know and to understand the gospel. And so I consider I consider the how we got there as the secondary part. And yeah, it it absolutely does change the nature of God depending on the different doctrine that you believe in, but it doesn't have to change the nature of God for you because the Calvinist believes that way. Well, it definitely won't change the nature of God for me because I know the truth. But the thing is, is that uh, the Bible says there's one faith, not two, not three, one. And Calvinism diverts from the one faith and causes people to believe something other than their faith should be in the blood of Jesus Christ and the cross. Calvinism teaches to have faith in election, to have faith in predestination, whereas we have no commandment from any apostle at any point that says trust in predestination, trust in e election. That's not what it, it's not there. But the paradigms that are put forth by uh, uh, the first generation tulip uh, alludes to this. And not only that, it has created a doctrine out of the word regeneration. Uh, that tells us that we are born again before we see before we receive the faith. This is not congruent with what I the agree. text tells I agree us. With you. So the text tells us that in in, in, in Luke chapter uh, eight verse eleven that the seed is the word of God. the uh, The apostle wrote in the uh, the epistle of Peter that we are born again not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, that is the word of God. But I have been told by um, persons and have read it also, the doctrine of regeneration is that you're born again first, and then you receive the faith. And so this is not the faith of the gospel. This changes everything. So this is how come I hold the stance that I do and have, uh, have introduced to the world 
with uh, uh, other, along with others, Tulip 2.0, which uh, vehemently rejects those ideologies. Yeah, I think what he's saying is, uh, and I agree, is that uh, the way the gospel is preached uh, is not that what is the gospel, it's the extent of how the gospel works. And this is something that I think I expressed to Sam before, too, about my disagreements with Calvinism is this that uh, the way they think, the way the way they frame it, how it functions uh, is not biblical. But the, but the simplicity of the gospel, as far as the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, yes, yeah, sure, we all believe in that. But to what to what extent? Or what is it doing? What's the functionality of the gospel? Hey, Kevin. Uh, other Kevin? Yes, sir. What's up, Kevin? Oh, it's too Kevin. Oh, Kelvin. Uh, Kelvin, sorry. Kel Kelvin. He, Kelvin. He has the uh, little bit. That's the old way you spelled Kelvin. Uh, Kevin. That was Kelvin. Uh, later on, oh. they removed the L. Oh. Well, hello. Um, hey. <laughs> What's up? Yeah, I was just listening. I, um, I'm at work, sorry, but the past uh, two weeks I've been listening to, uh, I've been listening in to Pastor Sam's room, and, and I just you know about Calvinism, even though it won't affect how I think and how Pastor Sam thinks or people that really know the gospel and really believe in Jesus Christ, it, it won't affect our thoughts. But my problem is is when I'm hearing people be, becoming atheists, people are, it's, it's destroying people's lives when they um, share this doctrine of Calvinism. That's my part. I'm going to get my mic right there. That's when my heart you know, cries out when I'm hearing people not believing in God anymore and people are confused because everyone is not, every, everybody's different. Some are stronger than others. I hear my mic. That's all I, I, mean, I, I I mean, I think, you know, I think a lot of the problem is, I don't know that they, Calvinists do a disservice to themselves and how they articulate things. Um, and so, I mean, I agree, right? Like it's, it's hard when you're having a conversation with someone, you know, and you don't have this Calvinist kind of view versus when you do, or, you know, the, the Calvinists will, you know, they're like, Oh, so, you know, if people murder babies. God wants that. And they're like, well, yeah, it's like, what? And they're like, I could never serve a God like that. Which by the way, if you think God's evil, but he's real, it probably serve an evil God, but God's not evil. That's the point. So in mean, the closest thing I have to peace with it is, you know, the kind of compatibilistic approach. Um, and it's just, uh, the reason I like it is I don't even agree with it, but it's because it, it kind of takes the bullets out of the gun. Like it, it takes away the arguments from both sides. It's just like, and most Calvinists will at least agree with like a compatibilistic thing. So, you know, we don't believe God commands every single evil thing, but if they do, and it's like, you know, you have no choice. God is going to command you to, to do evil things. Um, but in compatibilism, it's like, okay, well, look, if hypothetically in your worldview, God gave everyone free will totally, and he did not command them to do evil actions. The result is they would do the same thing anyways. So when it's explained that way, most people can be like, okay, well, I don't believe, like me, I don't believe it. I don't dis I, I disagree with it. But still, it's like, okay, so Calvinists, if you're saying God totally commands evil things to happen, and that's fine, and he's good, um, if they believe with the compatible thing, it's, it becomes philosophical. And it's like, okay, so you're saying even if God didn't totally command evil people to do evil things, they would end up doing the exact same things anyway. 
And they'll usually say yes. And it's like, okay, well, it's just philosophical, and it's not a point worth arguing at this point. Um, well, anyway. see, that doesn't see, – see, see, from your standpoint of view, sinners are sinners. That doesn't affect God. That doesn't affect that, – that never affected God. But when, you're, but when you are telling people that this is how God is and, 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 you, you, and, and this doctrine insists that this is how God is, and then when you ask a Calvinist, is this how God is? And they say yes. And then you take them to Bible verses that explicitly says that God is not like this. And they refuse to surrender to what the word clearly states. It leaves a question mark in, in your head as to why. Why would this be so? Especially from the standpoint like the, the brother uh, Kelvin brought up, brought up, which I intended to uh, make mention of. We have been seeing people who, uh, from our standpoint of view, would have been just fine as believers going on, believing in Christ, loving Jesus, passing out pamphlets, talking about the love of God, and then they get involved with Calvinism, and Calvinism causes them to not see God any longer as a loving God, but as a hateful ogre, and uh, and then they become confused and leave the faith completely and began to teach other people that the faith is not even necessary because this is what Calvinism has explained to them. So. Again, I express, I, I, I'm just saying, again, I express that it's Calvinism. It's the doctrine. You can take the people out of it, then the doctrine will still be around. And it's the doctrine that's a problem. It's not, it's not necessarily the people, but the doctrine that's causing the people to be who we are and say the things that they're saying. Well, doesn't seem like there's any Calvinists to uh, give you a lot of pushback. <laughs> Wait, far as I'm understanding this, there's, there's no Calvinists on the stage? Uh, that is correct. Wow. I'm not, I'm not a guy named Calvin. Huh? Yeah, Brandon, Brandon's a Calvinist, bro. That's no longer true. <laughs> I, I am a reformed, so you have a oh. reformed person. Oh, no. Welcome, Jeff. Hello. Hey, I, am following the, I am following the Bible to, uh, you know, as much as depends on me, live at peace with all men. <laughs> What's up, Jeff? Did, did, did you hear the compatible I, thing? No, would, you, I, would you agree with the uh, compatibilism thing if you heard that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would. I, I would agree with compatibilism. I, I just came up because you guys didn't have any Calvinists on the stage, so I decided to come up and be one. <laughs> hey, Jeff. Jeff to the rescue. My friend, Jim. It's always it's good. Uh, always good uh, discussion, Nate. Uh, take care, man. I see I got to go my run. All right. Take care, Sam. Are you a four-point uh, Calvinist, uh, Jeff, or are you fully reformed? Or Brandon, you are really low. I can't really hear you. Uh, oh, let me see. Let me, let me turn my thing up here. How many points? What, what, Man, you four point, five point, three point. Are you fully um, reformed? Yeah, I, I, I'm reformed. Um, as far as limited atonement goes, I agree with limited atonement. Um, 
my view of it is a slightly different. All Calvinists aren't exactly the same. Um, so, so like, are you like, are you like, I guess to be reformed from my understanding, you'd have to hear it like to all the five points, you'd be like post or all millennial and you have to be like confessional. Yeah, I'm, 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 in the, I'm, I'm millennial. Um, and you're confessional? To a certain extent. Um, I'm covenantal. Mm. So. Hey, are you more if like. I, if, I, if, I, if the confession I, I, more conf the confession I, to is Westminster most likely. Which from which year? That's where I'll say I'm not too confessional because I don't have a year exactly that I ascribe to. Okay, okay. This has got to be like the calmest Calvinism discussion on this platform <laughs> ever. So I'd like to ask a question to Jeff. So, hey, Jeff, uh, most of the Calvinists that I know in my personal life uh, don't buy into a limited atonement. They believe that Jesus died for everyone. Uh, so they will refer themselves as four-point Calvinists. Uh, do you think that four-point Calvinists, they affirm everything but the L and the tulip? Do you think that they're really or true Calvinists? Um, well, I have a little bias because for a long time I was a four-point Calvinist. Um, and the L was the issue with me. Um, I could not... Uh, the L through the text um, and that's why my view of the limited atonement is different I believe the atonement in its intent is limited to the elect but in its extent Christ dies for everyone oh but I do but I do but I do understand the limited atonement and I can't argue for it um, it's just it's just it's really based on how you view the atonement you know, if you view it as uh, the vehicle in which uh, Christ accomplishes uh, redemption in a sense of, does he accomplish it in a perfect sense, as in everyone who he dies for are now, sin you know, have all their sins forgiven, even the sin of unbelief. So I, I do understand it. And, you know, it's just, there's some text of scripture that uh, I not wrestle with, but just have a slightly different view on my living yeah, yeah, my my uh, criticism, Jeff, is uh, although it's a clever, it's cleverly worded. Uh, the extent of Christ's death is he died for everyone, but the intent of Christ's death is that it's targeted toward the elect. Uh, but my criticism is if the extent of Christ's death is that he died for everyone, then it would have to seem, it would seem to me that that would have to be the intent because uh, the extent cannot be accomplished against the intent. So the intent and the extent will have to line up 
in order for it to be uh, consistent. Uh, and that's my that's my criticism of what you said. How would you respond to that? I respond to you as I respond to my other Calvinist brothers. <laughs> uh, I, I ascribe to um, ignorance. ignorance okay i don't uh can you can you clarify meaning, meaning meaning i wouldn't be able to completely parse it out because so i'll parse out with these scriptures like this um jesus clearly says that christ dies for his sheep that's the intent for me right he dies for his sheep uh and then you have scriptures where it says that um he is the propitiation for our sins, talking about the believers, but not our sins only, but the sins of the world. And so then you have the extent right there as far as it can be it can be uh, applied to all peoples in the earth, in my view. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but, but still, uh, I go back to uh, his intent has to be the extent. And whether or not a person avails themselves of that free gift, uh, that's where the election comes into play. Because the election of those that have availed themselves of that free gift. And let me use a little example that maybe this will make sense. Uh, let's say that uh, somebody has offered to pay my mortgage off free and clear. Uh, but I make the decision, no, nah, I don't want to accept that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do this on my own. Uh, I don't need your charity. Uh, I don't need your handout. Uh, forget you. <laughs> you know? And I choose to go on about it uh, myself. So I look at it kind of like that. Well, it makes me think of like, was it Matthew 21? I was reading today where, you know, Jesus is talking about his death and resurrection and everything. He says, you know, his blood's going to be poured out for the forgiveness of many, like from the lips of Christ not for the forgiveness of all his blood will be pouring out for the forgiveness of many. Um, so I would say that. Right. And, and then it's like, well, you know, whoever Christ, yeah. uh, whoever Christ died for, it's like, that doesn't give someone an out, right? Like people want to say, well, that's bad because, you know, if they're not one of the elect and you know, that's telling them they can't be saved. Like that's a whole different category. So like, even if you take that, it's like, look, Christ didn't die for all. And then the atheists are like, well, guess that's me. He didn't die for me. It's like, well, no, because, you know, we talked about compatibilism. It's like you can make the quote, make the choice, even if you see it as not making a choice. It does. It's irrelevant. The point is, if you are someone who can be like, yes, I know your Christian, Christian doctrine. I know what you need. So if I believe in my heart and will call on the name of the Lord Jesus for forgiveness, for salvation, for eternal life, I will be saved. And then all the Calvinists will be like, like if that person does that right then, uh, then the Calvinists will be like, great. This is the time. You're the elect. God chose you. All the non-Calvinists are like, oh, we're so glad you chose to accept the gift of Christ. It doesn't matter. The point is, you, you can't say, well, I guess I'm just not elect because that's not me. Uh, the only way you can say that is if you perpetually uh, disregard and are never that whosoever will. Because, I mean, if you want it, you got it. So unless there's some mystical thing or God preventing you from asking Jesus for salvation and to make you born again with eternal life, um, you have no one to blame but yourself. Because even if God is pulling the strings behind your heart, um, incompatibilism, even if he didn't, 
you would end up making the same exact decision anyway to follow or not follow God. So it's not an excuse. It's not like saying, well, if God don't choose me. I guess that's just how it is. Uh, no, that's, that's not the right time to make that argument. Right. Um, yeah, Nate, uh, if it's a, if you can, uh, if it's there, if you want it, if you say it, Nate, if it's there, if you want it, then it has to have been made available for you. So therefore he died for the whole world. You see what I mean? Well, no, or he died for the forgiveness of many and you are one of the many. So like, if there's someone that, uh, you know, if there's someone that, that there's a lot of, of feedback, Jeff, if there's someone that, you know, God, God knows is never, uh, you know, not going to be a actor is never going to call in the name of Jesus. Well, then that's clearly not someone Christ died for. And you can test that by perpetually, you know, until they die. You're like, all right, I don't know. Can I pick on you, Jamesy, down there? You're like, Jamesy, look, you know what Christians believe. You know how Christians say to get saved. So how about it, buddy? Right now. Go ahead. Call in the name of Jesus. Repent. Believe. And receive eternal life. And he's like, ah, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Well, then maybe he's not someone Christ died for. But if he, God already knows what's going to happen, right? So we don't have the gift of, of, you know, foresight or whatever. God does. So for all intents and purposes, Jamesy could totally be one of these elect people or totally not. So him just saying, well, I'm not convinced right now or I don't believe it. If that's his final position before he leaves this world, then I think it's fair to say, well, guess he's not one of the elect or guess it's not one of the people Jesus died for. But at any point, if you can like, you know, someone says, raise your right arm and you'll be saved. The only way to, to say that Jesus didn't you know, die so you could raise your right arm is if you physically try to raise your right arm and you cannot. But it's like, if you can raise your right arm, it's like, oh, it seems like you just made your choice. But the Calvinists would say, well, God, you know, drug you with chains of grace and, you know, all that and, and made you raise your right arm. It's just a weird philosophical thing. And I just I just don't like the argument. It, it seems like, you know, it would be better to just skip all that and just be like John the Baptist. Just be like, repent, believe the gospel. And then all the people who are like, oh, yes, that sounds good. I'd like to repeat, repent, repent, believe the gospel. Then great. Calvinism, Arminianism, none of it matters. And then all the ones that did, you can safely say Jesus died for them and, you know, call them elect if you want. All the ones that didn't, well, you can't say they're not elect and Jesus didn't die for them because they're still living. Um, anyway. <laughs> Rob, if it sounds like I'm trying hard to straddle the fence, it's because I'm not, I'm not really taking any side. I disagree with the Calvinism doctrine. Um, but I'm also sympathetic to those, uh, you know, those that believe it. Um, and, and it's compatibilism, right? Because that's where everything becomes, it's just this philosophical rat's nest. And I hate it. It causes way more contention than I think it should. Uh, but no, universal atonement. Okay. So like, well, in the words of Christ, right? He says his blood will be shed for the forgiveness of many. And John three sixteen talks about whosoever will. So, that's what that means. Um, so no, I don't think Jesus died for every single person uh, because if he did, every single person would be saved. But that also doesn't mean it's like some some like snobbery club. It means whosoever will. So like if God always knew that you know even if he didn't co command or guide people's steps, there would still be people who rejected him. Then that doesn't make God mean. It makes those people completely complicit and at fault because even if God didn't pass over them 
they would have passed themselves over. Well, I, I guess one of the questions that it pertains to, I guess, as it, for me, I guess, as it relates to relates to insurance, is because, you know, sometimes I guess from I guess my view, I guess as Armenian, is you will get criticized because we'll say, well, y'all believe in a works based salvation because y'all don't believe, um, you know, I guess in a concept of eternal security. Um, but then, like we would like, and I guess maybe I can ask Jeff this: is that as it pertains to being elect? Do you, because you have perseverance, you have to, in essence, to know, I would say, that you're truly elect. You would have to, in theory, persevere all the way to the end to truly know that, because, in in essence, the faith that you have now, technically, you cannot really know that that's real, the real deal until the end, because it could be evanescent as of right now. Can you say, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go on, go on. No, I was saying, like, technically, as of right now, can you truly know that you are the elect, seeing that the every time we see a a, a, a Calvinist, what well, we would say is backslide, only thing the, the reformers say, well, they went out from us because they weren't among us, by their stretch of the imagination, then what does it really even mean at that point, like Tyler uh, Vega? I, I think it's a, I don't know that guy, but I think it's a faith position. I mean, I think, you know, how people say, I know that I know that I know. A um, little more holiness there. But, um, you know, if you know that you know, I, I mean, I think really it's it's a faith position, right? So they'll say it's perseverance of the sta- saints. The Lord is keeping me. Well, if you are one of the ones the Lord is keeping, then yes. But how do you know that you specifically are? I think it's just a faith position. You believe you are. No, but I guess that's my point. Like, but if God is yeah, elected to be one of them, but the, the, the thing is, from our viewpoint, you you respond by faith and you you continue because it's a choice. From their viewpoint, you you don't respond. God, he he grabs and chooses you. Uh, so I guess that I guess that would be the fundamental. Is that's it's a fundamental difference. You still you still respond by faith though, even though he even though you're elect, you still respond by faith because he grants you faith to believe. So you still respond by faith. So, but the difference is, in the instance like Tyler Vega, he because he went out from among us, he never really responded by faith. If he continues in that state, yeah. Also, uh, how can regeneration come before hearing and believing the gospel? That's that's one of my biggest uh, problems with the reform position. Well, I, I mean, don't Sorry, they say I couldn't hear you. Don't they, don't they say something like, you know, you'll hear the gospel? Because if you just hear the gospel, that, that's not any of the stuff they're talking about, right? Because they'll, they'll talk, um, I, I forget, but it's like, you know, uh, faith, repentance, like what, whatever they say happens. It, it's the gospel itself isn't doing any of that. It's, it's like once you hear the gospel, then if you're going to respond, that's when all that stuff like kickstarts, where they say it's like exactly at the same time, but technically one happens like a microsecond before the other. But but hearing the gospel doesn't do anything. It's it's after you hear the gospel, then if that process is going to kick off, it, it would be after hearing the gospel, not that the gospel itself is Correct. part of that process. Yeah, but but faith yeah, come hearing faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God and hearing what Romans ten explains hearing the gospel. So, right. So you would hear yeah. the gospel and, and then before you hear the gospel. I don't think I've heard anyone say that you would regenerate before you hear the gospel. I think that they'd, they'd say you hear the gospel, 
and then all that stuff happens. Uh, because you, I, I mean, yeah, you, that is, yeah, I know, I, exactly I know right. that. Are, yeah, I know that. Agree with the you, Bible. You have to hear the gospel. How can they? Yeah, where it says how how can they know unless people tell them? So I well, and I know like Calvinists would agree with that. So it's like, well, well, you know, they would have to be told. Well, I, maybe I can maybe I can ask Jeff this question. For instance, no man seeks after God. No man naturally of themselves desires the things of God. For instance, and this is a question I've when I've talked to many of my Reformed friends and I, I ponder, like when you look at the instance of Cornelius, he was a man that offered prayers to God and his prayers went up to God as a memorial. The fact that he could pray and he was seeking God and he was offering prayers to God, was Cornelius regenerated when he was doing that? That was a question for Jeff, right? Mm-hmm. For Jeff, yeah. Jeff, are you speaking? You may have to wait until he's available to speak. Sorry, you guys are not working. You're talking to me. I can't hear anything. I'm sorry. No, I was saying uh, with Cornelius... He was offering prayers to God, so much so to the angels say, your prayers and alms have come up before God as a memorial. Was Cornelius regenerated when he was doing that? <laughs> You're not getting an answer. Because it, it just... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm on a job site. You said, was Cornelius... Uh, regenerated when he was praying he to God. Was praying before he before he heard, before he heard the gospel and the, and the angel appeared to him and so on and so forth. Asking because he, he regenerated was regenerated from the dead man, right? Correct. So how can a spiritually dead man send prayers to God? Send prayers to God as a spiritual memorial without having the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Spirit spiritually dead. Uh, doesn't mean that a person can't pray or anything like that. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they can't pray uh, Wait and a stuff minute. like that. What it, what it means is that you have, that you are dead apart from God. You're apart from the living like the, so how the Bible talks about spiritual deadness, it's more of a being a part from being apart from God, being alienated from God. Right. So not a uh, a unwilling uh, unwillingness to uh, come to God or un, uh, in, in, uh, how would you say? Uh, maybe maybe it's kind of like a no atheist in the foxhole type thing. Like maybe one of these atheists, you know, we we know around here that say they have have they've heard the gospel but they've rejected it or whatever and they don't believe it. Uh, maybe they still know it because they heard it, so they know the gospel. They've just rejected it and haven't acted on it. So you know, some something happens in their life. They there's still they're like, okay, I know the gospel. Um, you know, uh, God, if you're up there, God, if you're up here, or if you're God, are you, are you up there, God? And then uh, you know, maybe that's their moment where you know they're they're quickened and regenerated and all but this that stuff. But that's that's that, but that's not what the text said though. Cornelius didn't say the but this is the thing. 
according to what Calvinism teaches, no man seeks after God. No man desires the things of God. This is what we teach. It's at our very nature. We're depraved. We're spiritual rebels against the things of God. But we have a man that does not have the spirit of God, which being born again is having the spirit of God, which you have to be born again first in order to seek and to have and to want the things of God. This is Cornelius is a casebook study why the reformed order salutis is wrong because first why in the world do we have a unregenerate man because he obviously according to the acts 10 does not have the holy ghost this is irrefutable this man does not have the holy spirit but he is seeking after god and i mean to say that he has the holy ghost it is just laughable it's laughable with all intents and purposes but this spiritually dead man is sending prayers so much so that an angel is sent to talk to a dead man and to tell him that his prayers are up before God as a memorial and that there's going to be sent a preacher to him to tell a spiritually dead man the things that he must do as a zombie in order to be saved. That is a moment of pause. I would love to hear what Chris has to say to that. Again, with Cornelius... Yes, he's spiritually, he's spiritually dead when he's doing his prayer, but that doesn't uh, mean that he, uh, how would I say? I'm sorry, I'm on the job site. But no, that doesn't mean that he's, that he can't, like I said, it doesn't mean that he can't pray or anything like that. So being spiritually dead, again, is not an inability to pray. It doesn't keep, it, it, being spiritually dead doesn't keep God from sending you an angel or anything like that. That. That doesn't mean any, anything. You know, he didn't believe in Jesus at the time. He didn't know the gospel, right? He was like a proselyte. But again, even uh, Jews before believed they believe in God. Uh, the Pharisees believed they believe in God, even though they rejected the son, right? So him praying and things like that doesn't mean that he's not, that he has the Holy Spirit or anything like that, or it doesn't even refute uh, regeneration before uh, faith in the order salutis. Well, this is the issue. If being regenerate is the same thing as being born again and being an, in, an irrefutable aspect of being born again is having the Holy Spirit. The Bible says while Peter well, began to preach to him, the Holy Spirit fell on him. Peter was preaching to him before the Holy Spirit came. This means a clear textbook case that he's preaching to a person before the Holy Spirit came, which means that we have a clear-cut example that a person is hearing the gospel before the Holy Ghost, which means he is hearing the gospel before he is born again. That's a problem for a reformer order salutis. No, uh, yeah, he's hearing the gospel. The Holy Spirit falls on him, and uh, he speaks in tongues. But again, the Holy Spirit's oh, oh, falling that's, that's on him in that, in that situation. Are the Holy Spirit coming into him? Are the Holy Spirit uh, uh, coming to him as Peter is preaching the gospel um, does not refute the order salutis because in, in, the, in the text it's giving a, um, it's, it's, it's the narrative is showing the, the Gentiles coming into faith. So yeah, he preaches the gospel, but, and as he's preaching the gospel, he's able to hear the gospel and he believes 
And in the order of Salutis, that hearing of the gospel, as Nate described, it all happens that simultaneously. What the apostles see is the Holy Spirit coming upon him and him speaking in tongues. But in the order of Salutis, it doesn't refute that he, the Holy Spirit, at the time of him hearing the gospel, opens his ears and opens his heart in a regenerated manner for him to receive the gospel. And uh, he believes as a result of that. So are you saying he received the Holy Ghost before he started preaching? No. The Holy Spirit okay. came as the preaching. The Holy Spirit was coming as as he was preaching. That's nobody. So, nobody believes. No. No. No Calvinist would believe that you have the Holy Spirit before you even hear the gospel. So that would, it wouldn't. It doesn't work like that. Is the new is receiving the Holy Ghost intrinsic of being born again? Because the Bible says the Spirit listeth as where it wills, and so is everyone who is born again. Is is that statement of Jesus true? That every person who receive is born again receives the gifts of the receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that there is no new birth without the giving of the spirit. Yeah. Yeah, you have to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in as a result of the new birth. That is correct. It all happens like that. Got you. Got you. We on the same page. Uh, Jesus. I was going to say maybe define terms, but it sounds like... Yeah, say it again? Or am I, I, was, I was going to say maybe you need to define terms, but it sounds like you're on the same page, so I guess you don't need to. Like, you know, what do you mean filled with the Holy Spirit? Like, you know, sealed, like guaranteed for that day, like like the Bible talks about for all believers? Or like maybe what I thought Brandon may be thinking, like, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, like speaking in tongues, things like that. Well, you know, my, my view is only one Holy yeah. Spirit is, you know, the Holy Spirit. I guess however a person would look at it, the... the there's I don't believe it's like a Holy Ghost part one, part two. It's either you got it, either you don't. I'm, I'm, it's very hard to hear you. Uh, say it again, sorry. Oh, and I'm probably breaking up. Say, so, you know, I believe the Holy Ghost comes. Uh, I, you know, like people think it's like you got part one and part two, and Holy Ghost part three point oh. You know, I know I just think the Comforter comes. Uh, there's just the whole coming of the Holy Ghost. No, but I was just saying from everything I can see, I don't, I don't see, and I guess that would be the part, because we obviously have Cornelius, a man that's seeking after God, and because many of the, the, the scriptures here, no man seeks after God, you wouldn't even want to, you wouldn't even have the desire to, but this is a very interesting, like, what in him, because if, if it is he who gives you the will to do, where did he get that will to want to pray and seek after God? Uh, because, like, where, where would he even get that desire to want to pray and do that and seek after God? And why would he even be going in front of God to even be like, that? to me, it doesn't even make any sense. Well, that's because you're thinking that he's trying to seek after Jesus or he's praying to Jesus or something like that. It, it, doesn't, describe, it doesn't say that. It's, it says, it doesn't say that in the text. It just says that he was praying. So, again... His, every man desires, in a sense, to seek after God. That's why we have all kinds of religions. They're seeking after no God, in a, in a sense. But no man, in a sense, I said again, in a sense, they seek after God. No man um, seeks after God. I said, in a sense, I the understand, Bible in a sense, that no Paul, that you're referencing, that Paul is talking about, in a sense that I don't know if I'm breaking up or not. Um, but no man seeks after God in the sense of no man comes to Christ, no man seeks after Christ, and things like that. Um, but seeking after God is a is an overall uh, thing that men do 
um, which is try to come up with their own gods and so on and so forth. Cornelius being a proselyte uh, was praying to praying to God as all the Jews were at that time. And the uh, Lord decided to send him an angel to ask for Peter to come to preach in the gospel. And then that's, so that's what happened. And then upon hearing the gospel, uh, he believed because the whole, you know, he, he, uh, he heard the gospel. God opened his ears and his heart to the gospel as Peter's preached it. And he believed. So how could he believe and he hadn't received the whole. Say again. I didn't say it, say it again. How, how could he believe and he had received the Holy Spirit yet was the question. The Holy Spirit came and upon his belief again. Yeah. Word of salute. It doesn't say it, it was the, the showing of the Holy Spirit was a show to the apostles, him speaking in tongues for them to know that the pop, you know, uh, oh, I agree with Holy that. Spirit following the Gentiles as well the as them. I, I mean, I agree with the evidence, but I'm saying how could he believe He's pre but again, first thing, Peter's pre then this 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 is the thing. Peter's preaching to a man there. He's sitting there. He's preaching to the gospel to him. And as Peter began to, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us from the beginning. Which is interesting enough, because one that makes it seem like if this is the same case, fell on us from the beginning. It goes back to Acts two, which makes it seem like Peter them didn't have the Holy Ghost until Acts two. Which are we going to say now that Peter them didn't believe into Acts two? Because it's obvious they believed well before Acts two, which makes it clear that they didn't have the Holy Ghost into Acts two. So how could they? So that 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 opens up a whole another host of questions, whole another can of questions. So are we saying that Cornelius only believed at Acts two, or? Was his belief progressive believing as Peter began to preach? Or like, I guess, like, how would you define belief in that context? You said, did Cornelius only believe at Acts 2? No, I mean, like, obviously he's had a spiritual experience, but he had to have a continual explanation of, of what was taking place. Like, he obviously bought into what Peter was saying, or he wouldn't have got his whole house together. Like, obviously, he bought into what Peter was saying, that this man was going to tell him because the angel angel told him to get, you know, listen to this man for he was going to tell you the things that you must do. So he obviously was like, yeah, Peter is legit, but he did not know the things that he must do. So him believing Peter was not the issue. He already had faith that Peter was going to tell him the truth. He just didn't know what he had to do. So it was the what that had to be explained to him. So I don't think what is the issue that him believing or was it the issue that he needed to know the what, I guess. Okay. So you're saying he already had, he had faith in what? The gospel? Are you saying he had faith no, in Peter to had, tell the message? Or what are you saying? I'm saying he had faith that Peter was going to tell him what was needed to be explained to him. He just did not know what the entire picture was uh he understood that there was something he was missing i'm, I'm sorry wait so are you positing that he knew the gospel already he just didn't no, know what no, to do after believing no, the gospel no i'm not saying he knew the gospel he understood there was something okay. he was missing he had a spiritual experience but that spiritual experience was not enough 
he knew there was the angel told him that there was a man that he that he had to tell him the things that he must do. And this is why the scripture said that as I began to, as he began to listen, Peter began to preach to him, tell him about the things concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's when the Holy Spirit fell on him. Uh, the things that I'm not saying it's not at that moment that he decided to not just start to believe him. I'm saying he was believing Peter from the moment all this had begun to take place. But at that moment, he began to preach that all of these things began to start to finally fall in place. He had heard just enough that allowed him to receive the spirit. But I'm saying, obviously, his heart had been in the place of believing since all this had begun. Yeah. Okay. Give me a second. I'm I, I'm about to be silent for a few minutes. I gotta uh, straight these guys out of here. Make sure they're doing the right thing, and I'll, I'll be no, right I'm, back. I'm about to I'm about to move in for a minute, also. Yeah, yeah. we can uh, we can call it. I have to also run and get some stuff done. But it was a good discussion. I I liked uh, hearing it. I'd like to hear you guys continue. If you'd like, uh, jump on the Discord server, and uh, we can touch base there. But yeah, click that link at the top, and you can keep tabs on us. And Jeff, I don't think we met before. It's good to meet you. All right. Well, catch you all later. Have an awesome Friday. Awesome weekend. See you next time.